Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, we begin with uh, the verse when Paul was testifying before Agrippa. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. About the experience that he had with God. Are you with me? And when he was explaining, probably can begin from the 15th verse. Let's see. Let's read. At midday, O king, I saw in a way a light from heaven. This is Paul narrating to the king Agrippa, right? I saw in the way a a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And he says, and when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou art, persecutest. And the 16th verse says, Jesus says to Paul, But rise and stand upon thine feet, for I have appeared. Listen, I have appeared and to thee for this purpose, to make you one a minister and a witness, both of those things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto you. Are you hearing me? You see, you can be a witness, but not a minister. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can be a witness, but not a what? A minister. I can say, I witness the Lord healing. I can testify that he's a healer. But you see, you can be in a place where you cannot heal. You cannot pray for the sick and they're healed. You cannot cast out devils. You cannot raise the dead. You can't open blind eyes or deaf ears. You can't get cancer out of the body. But you are a witness of the things that certain men have done. And you have seen with your very own eyes. And you can testify, attest to it and say that I saw a healing on Saturday. You can't be a minister and a witness. You can be a witness but not a minister. It is possible for somebody to be a witness of something they cannot minister. Are you hearing me? The Lord Jesus Christ has not intended to appear to a man only to be witness that I saw the Lord on the third day or the fourth day. Okay? God has not called circumstances, are you hearing me, and particular things to be attached to the call that he has given unto us. No. The place of God dealing with us is entirely alluded to divine purpose. The mind that he has for you in that particular time. It's not even subject on situations or circumstances. Even if Paul was not persecuting the church, the Lord Jesus would still appear to him. So we don't surround our experiences with the Christ around what we do for him to appear, but rather the purpose by which he appears to us. He didn't say, I have appeared to you because you fasted and prayed. Today there are people who are not seeing God because they are attaching it to certain things. The other day I had a preacher. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't worry, I won't mention him. He was preaching a sermon called, In there, King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord. And this man got that scripture. The king Uzziah died. He saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up in his strength, filled the temple. And he says, and this is how he was saying. He was saying, 
I don't know which Uzziah you have. Maybe your Uzziah is in education. Maybe your Uzziah is that guy who is giving you a headache. Maybe your Uzziah is that woman. The, the, the Bible says the Yaking Uzziah died. So he said, there must be a death of a Uzziah before you see God. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Listen, if you read the scriptures, God did not need Uzziah to die for Isaiah to see God. No, he used it as a reference to a period. It was a reference to a period. Like they used to give references and say, in the year of Augustus, in the year of Caesar, in the, in the year of, of Felix, they are giving years against calendars to identify and say, in the year King Uzziah died is when I saw the Lord. It doesn't mean that the seeing of the God to Isaiah necessitated the death of Uzziah. No. Whether Uzziah lived or not, he probably could have changed it and says, in the last year of Uzziah's reign, I saw the Lord. So it's not about the death of Uzziah. Uzziah does not need to die for you to see God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So, as I was saying, God revealed himself to Paul for two reasons. One, that he might be both a witness and a minister of those things, the Bible says, which uh, thou hast seen. And the Bible says, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Do you understand? And that now changes the mind of the way God operates. You see, Christians don't understand the pendulum, okay? That swings from the things we see regarding the Christ, okay? And the things in which he appears. Do you understand? He tells him, our place of ministry is not only to minister what we have witnessed. Some people minister only in the witness dispensation. I saw them heal a sick man and I'm going to heal a sick man. But you see, the Bible says there are things in which the Christ will appear. In other words, those things won't be Christ. But he will use them to appear in them. And therein is a message to the Christian, you and I. And with those very things he says, they are both ministry and witness. So the Lord has not only called us to be on the one line of the pendulum to testify of the things we have seen of the Christ, but as well as of those things in which he appears to us. In other words, Jesus, listen, he's not only going to appear to you in the body. Some people say, I saw, like, for example, I've had Christ, Christ uh, appear in the body. I desist to call them visitations. Okay? Why? Because... I have knowledge now with the word that Jesus Christ is indwelling. But there are patterns by which sometimes he chooses to take on forms to us to give us instructions because we need that. Only because you need it. It doesn't disqualify you because you don't see the Christ. No. As a matter of fact, many of our, my affirmations as an individual are not the things that I have seen by vision necessarily, but are the things that I have believed to be true by the working of the Spirit of truth in me. Do you understand? Notwithstanding that the experiences are important for every child of God. Every child of God requires experiences. But you see, there are places where the ultimate experience of God is His Word. You must understand that. The Word of God is our primary experience. When we experience the Word of God, then you will understand that the Word is God. 
See, some people want extraordinary experiences to know that the Lord appeared. You see, they say, ah, I will not do anything until... You see, they want this whole story, everything about them, they want the story to begin like this. I was seated in my room, and then a wind blew into it. And then the curtains started flogging at each other. The windows hit. And after that, there came in an angel of the Lord. And he told me, Robert, I'm calling you to ministry. And then I knew brethren. (laughs) You get it? But what if he doesn't appear? And he says, for you have not seen him, but oh, how you love him. You have not seen him. He says, but oh, how you love him. There are people who have probably not had Jesus appear to them. That, listen, should never disqualify you from the working of the power of God and his spirit. Because I've seen places where the Christ might not appear to you, but might appear in things to you. But if you have that knowledge, your life changes. Your life changes. The life of relationship that we carry. You see, one thing people don't understand is this, okay? One thing people don't understand is this. The relationship that Christ carries with the church, okay, is a husband and wife story. It's not just a man and a woman. No, it's a husband and wife story. That's why he says that for this reason, he says a man shall leave his own. You realize that? It's not the woman who leaves her own. No, he says a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall become one flesh. For he says, and this is what? What does the next verse say? For this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. That means that the Christ left the father and he came to marry us, which is the church. The relationship that we carry with the, church, with the Christ is that he lifts us up. We are a lifted people. You might not have spiritual experiences, but God has bore you. In Deuteronomy 131, the Bible says, I bore you like a man bears his son. That's how God has carried the church. He says, in the wilderness, when thou hast seen how the Lord thy God bears thee. The word therefore bear is Nassar. Nassar, to lift up. In other words, even if I don't see Jesus, I'm lifted in him. I'm lifted. I have a place. We're not walking with Jesus. No. He's carrying us. That's the word called bearing. Nassar, the Hebrew. The American, Nasa, N-A-S-A. It's actually the same spelling. Why do you think, by the way, have you ever noticed? Look at marriage. Can I share something? I didn't plan to go there, but let me go and go there. Because it has come. In Peter, the scripture speaks of a place where men should deal with their wives in knowledge. According to knowledge. In other words, if you don't know, don't marry. You didn't get it. If you don't have knowledge, don't worry. You get it? That's why women like smart men. Why? Because they, you imagine your husband is Mm. you clap your hands if you, what I'm saying is true <laughs> you see he says likewise ye husbands he says dwell with them according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered do you know do you know do you know do you know that the, the place of prayer in fact when you study from the Hebrew roots the mind of prayer the, the very word nasal, prayer is not prayed directly it's lifted up in fact, the very action of a man praying is Nassau. 
lifting up prayer. And amazingly, when I studied in the Hebrew, I was shocked that marriage, the Hebrew word for marrying, is nasah. You get it? The way a man lifts up prayer to God is the very way he ought to handle his wife. You can't marry, you understand? Because it's responsibility. You get it? You can't marry who you can't lift. So he says, deal with them in knowledge. I'm not saying wait. I'm saying spiritual. You can't marry a woman you can't carry in the spirit. If she's heavier than you, she's another man's woman. So, he likens the wife and prayer as the same. If if you can't carry her, you can't pray. (laughs) If you can't lift her up, you can't pray. Knowledge. For those of you who are not yet married, don't rush. (laughs) How God equates marriage with prayer. You put her down, your prayer is not hard. Until you get her up again and then God starts to hear your prayer. That's why a man who has understood how to pray. A man who has understood how to pray. Eh? He can't have issues with his wife. You see men, they don't pray. You see, what saved Abraham was because he was a prayerful man. Sarah tells the guy, slave woman take, and her son. Abraham says, no. I love my boy. I'm not taking him anywhere. The guy goes to God to pray. And God wires him and tells him, boss, listen to your wife. You understand? But imagine if Abraham was not prayerful. He was going to frustrate divine purpose with Ishmael. Because he was not the heir to the promise. Oh, he doesn't pray, but I love him. Okay. Continue loving. <laughs> Man, I think now you've known the trick. When you see the woman you like, just go near her and start to resetele. Masakatala. Randara, Zakatakaya, Brikaya Landa. Do you see me? Makasatala, Makaya Baba, Pasaya, Pasaya. <laughs> if he prays, you'll manage. <laughs> if he can't pray, darling. <laughs> I speak not by commandment, <laughs> but by what? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Nasa, lift her. Praise the Lord. You must be able to handle her spiritually. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyhow, back to the issue. So I realize that the biggest problem with us is that sometimes we expect that the Lord will always appear to us in the body. Or that will always have that supernatural experience that probably Oral Roberts talks about, or Benny Hinn talks about, or Karen Kuhlman talks about, or whoever talks about. So that you don't have that experience, therefore you're not going to see God. Or that now that certain people are part to say, oh, and probably that place of jealousy, God, why did you appear to him that way? I've looked for you for 70 years, and I've not seen you. Why? Because you have for so long looked into the things, in the way he should appear to you, 
and forgotten that he can appear to you in certain things. That is why you see when the Christ was explaining to individuals, you realize that there was a place where he expounded from Moses about himself. Because you see, let me tell you something about the disciples. All the disciples of Jesus Christ knew Jesus, but they never knew the Christ. And let me tell you, the Christ, listen, Jesus, the Christ can appear to you and you still not know him. Not every man who has gotten Jesus Christ revealed to him or appearing to him means that from that day, everything about their lives changes. No. There are many men I know in the, in the stories of church history who even got the Christ himself appeared to them and they died very sad lives. Very disadvantaged lives. Very pathetic lives. A man can have the Christ appear to him and give him divine instructions. And tomorrow that man woke up from the very instructions. So it doesn't presuppose that because Jesus appeared to you, therefore you carry a particular qualification of maturity. Listen, the church doesn't even understand maturity. We think gifting is maturity. I was sharing with some people this week and I gave them an example. I told them you can have a smart child. Smart, intelligent, you know, understand? And this, the, the teacher said, you know what, this child is too smart. We need to get them from second grade and throw them to fourth grade. Simply because your child is smart. And they get them from second grade and throw them to fourth, fourth grade. He gets into fourth grade and he's too smart again. I tell him, can we take him to fifth grade? Okay? Probably even skips the grades and goes to middle school. Because they said this child is Smart. And that child can study so fast in education and graduate with a degree and do masters and become a doctor, PhD perhaps, probably at the age of 20 because of the speed by which he taught him. But because he has a degree at 17 years, it doesn't mean he's mature. He's only smart. You get it? So when you bring real life issues and get this 17-year-old very smart, top of his class, give him a woman knowledge you see so you realize (laughs) so you realize that even though the boy might be smart he might not be we have smart ministers who are not mature we have many people who are smart but they're not mature because this place of maturity are you hearing me goes beyond the dispensation of how much we can articulate the mysteries of the Christ to the person of the things that we do in this life that represent that maturity. Maturity is responsibility. It's not age. You don't say that I'm mature in God because I've been born again for 40 years. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The age you've spent in salvation does not equal to the age of your maturity. You get where I'm coming from? No. Maturity is another entity. And sadly, in the church of Christ, we have very few people who are mature. We have many smart ones, but very few people who are mature. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So, because of that, the patterns of the gospel are not taught. We carry the signs of the gospel. And we can pass them on two generations. We can touch them, but we can't change them. Because the place of change to grow men into maturity, 
the place where the apostle, the pastor, the prophet, the teacher, the evangelist are all perfecting the saints for the work of ministry. Not only because they preached on Thursday or Friday, but because behind everything they are, they are doing, there is a teaching. You see, I told people, the difference between the Christ and the smart church is this. Everything the Lord Jesus did was a lesson. When he's healing a sick man, there was a lesson. He wasn't just healing. So that they know, ah, oh, the man of God who heals is entering the building. Drum rolls. He comes in like Terminator. No, the Christ, listen, the Christ, the Christ. And, and, and you see, that's maturity. It's smart to know how to heal. It's maturity to teach in the healing. So, when we look back to the story of Jesus Christ, we realize that this man just did not heal only. No, he taught in his healing. Every miracle done by the Lord Jesus Christ carried a distinctive message to the church. And that is why I pray to the Lord every day. I don't want to just do healing anymore because we've done it for many years and we've produced the results. But I want to heal teaching a man to heal. I want to prophesy when I prophesy teaching a man to prophesy. I want to preach teaching a man how to preach. I want to teach but with the teaching of a man of how to teach because that is the only way we can have a certain level of maturity. Look at the Jesus Christ I'm talking about. He talks about the ten lepers. You remember the ten lepers? Okay, you remember? And the Bible says they come to him. And when they come to him, the scripture says, he tells them, go to the high priest that you may be checked. Okay? Because in the, in the Hebrew culture, there's an instruction called cleansing the lepers. Cleansing the lepers was when the leper had spent days and their bodies start to heal. So they bring them in to the high priest and the high priest checks the whole body to make sure that there is no... There's nothing like leprosy. So the moment the whole body is checked and there's nothing, that high priest would declare this man cleansed. That process of declaring them clean of leprosy was called cleansing the leper. But there's a deeper truth there, if you think about it. In other words, the man wasn't clean, even if his body was clean of leprosy, until the high priest spake it, that he's clean. You see? Then the Bible tells us that there were 10 of them which went. And in the middle, the Bible says, and while they were moving, the Bible says, they realized that the leprosy started to leave them. And the nine continued and one man came back. And you hear the words of the Christ. You see, many Christians teach, many pastors teach this as, learn to come back and give thanks. It's okay. But it's not what the Christ was teaching the church. Jesus was not teaching men to give thanks. No. Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus answering said, were they not ten cleansed, but where, where are the nine? Uh-huh. What does the next verse say? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. In other words, the nine were Israelites. The one was a stranger to the promise. He was Samarian. And the Hebrew word for Samarian is that he that beholdeth the spiritual thing. In other words, while he was moving to the priest, by the law, he realizes that healing has taken place and he realizes this must be a priest in another order. He beheld the spiritual thing. The nine went to the Levites, the one went to Melchizedek. You get it? 
And you realize that that's a place of maturity. Because you realize when Paul speaks about the living of the first principles of the oracles of God, the repentance from dead works, faith unto God, the baptisms and all these kinds of things and the eternal judgment, you realize when he goes on first to chapter 6, chapter 7, you realize now he introduces the priest Melchizedek. He says, of whom we have many things to say. Many things. But you see, the ultimate question now to the church is, are they ready to bury? Because the, the, by, the, by the time you understand, listen, it's, there, was, there was a necessity for the church to understand the priesthood in the lineage of Melchizedek. Because once the priesthood changes, the church would understand the covenant. You can't understand the covenant when you still have an old priest. Today, what is killing the church in Uganda? They are trying to leave the New Testament under a Levitical priesthood. The Bible says that when there is a change of testament, there is a necessity for the death of the testator. And then that life comes up. Listen, when you changed and said, now I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, you had to change the testament from the law to grace. The law came by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus. Now the man which is a stranger to the promise, he beholds the spiritual thing while on his way, he realizes he's healed. Are you hearing me? And then he turns to the spiritual one, Melchizedek, who has no father, beginning of days, no end of days. Are you hearing me? He says the stranger is come. And the Bible says, Jesus did not tell the man you healed. He says, thou has been made whole. In other words, there are men in that dispensation which are healed but are not whole. Because only the Melchizedek knows how to make men whole. But you see, this could just go off as a miracle. But to the Christ, it was not a miracle. It was a teaching. It was a teaching. Now, in that way, it means that if you see that, you don't need Jesus to come in the body to appear to you. He has revealed himself in the things that you see. And there comes a glory with it. Okay, let me probably give you an example. You remember the story of Moses? Remember Moses? Listen, you remember Moses? Jesus said that he, there was an expounding of the Christ from Moses. Because when you look at the story of Moses, you actually see the Christ. You see the Christ when you see Moses. And the Bible says, and beginning at Moses, read. Read, read. One, two, three, let's go. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures, the things concerning, do you realize that? Here he's talking about the things concerning himself. In the scriptures he's telling Paul, in those things in which I will appear unto you. So he starts to bring out the artifacts, the elements, the experiences, the events in the mosaic life. Okay, in Moses, where you think is the law, Jesus gets into the law and appears as one with grace. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Do you understand where I'm coming from? But you see, if you don't see that, you cannot see. You see, some people think seeing Jesus, again I repeat, he must only appear in the form. Let me tell you, Jesus is the one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. That word becomes flesh. We behold his only glory as the only true son of God, full of grace and truth. But you see, when he leaves the body, he still takes on his form. He eternally stays the word of God. The more the word of God is revealed unto you. I'll give you an example. Burning bush. 
Burning bush. You remember burning bush? Take off your shoes. I've been in Asia. These guys remove their shoes in service. Because where they are is holy ground. Anyway, that's another thing. You remember burning bush? Do you remember the burning bush? He tells Moses, he sees a thicket burning. And he tells him, take off your shoes. Bow down. For where thou art is what? Holy ground. Some people think or can think that the burning bush was an experience for Moses. But when you start to expound from Moses of the things he is himself and appears to us in, you realize that the burning bush carried an appearance of the person of Christ and his ministry. I'll give you an example. Holiness. Holiness. He told Moses... That's why if you don't understand the grace, you're mad. He told Moses, listen, he told Moses, take off your shoes for the place where on thou standest is. Question, what did the ground do to be holy? Did the ground fast? Did the ground take 40 days of fasting and prayer? No. He didn't go to prayer mountain. He didn't say a seed of $100,000. He did not refuse to lie. He did not stay true to its wife, the land. So what made that land holy? What? Listen. Christian. If you don't understand what made the land holy, you can never understand what makes you holy. What made the land holy? Was it its works? No. What made that land holy was the proclamation of the Lord calling it holy. The Bible says <laughs> that he has called the church that it should be holy and blameless in his sight. Do you know the meaning of that? In love, in Ephesians. He says that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, uh -uh, but that it should be, yes, holy and without blemish. You see, the holiness of the church is not its works. It's his work. One time I heard a man saying, righteousness is a gift imputed, but holiness is, is a work. I asked him, what do you mean? The Bible says, according as he has called us before the foundations of the world that's in the first chapter one he speaks of a place where he has called us before the foundations read according read 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 according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love he called you before he said your holiness was before you did anything so how can you tell me that holiness is what you do? Holiness is not what you do. Holiness is what he has done in you. Listen. Listen. Jesus Christ is the word. And that word is the seed. And holiness is a fruit. It's not a seed. So you're not supposed to look at holiness as a planting in your works for you to attain it. No. It's a proclam Like he spoke to that ground. He called you to holiness. The Bible says he called you to holiness. Romans 6.22. He speaks of a place how you have been delivered and freed from sin. Now being made free. He didn't say now making yourself free. 
It wasn't your work to make yourself free. It was his work. He's saying, now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness. And the end, continuous sin? No. The end, everlasting life. Do you realize that? Give me the message. Give me the message. Give me the message. The message says, but now, listen, that you found you don't have to listen to sin to tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you what a surprise a whole hill put together life right now with more and more life on its way it's not what you do it's what God is doing in you listen Christians stop looking at holiness as a seed you don't plant it holiness is a fruit and who is the seed Don't ever become a seed of holiness. Somebody say, righteousness is imputed. Yes, but holiness, you have to work it out. Ouch! Listen, how can you, how, how, how can you produce a fruit without the necessity of the seed Christ? Christ becomes that seed. Now the parable is that the seed is Luke 8, 11. So the word of God is what produced righteousness. Listen, the holiness, even holiness in us, is not works. Let's open Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. He says, let's read. If so be that you have heard him and have been told by him as a truth is in Jesus, uh that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, listen, the old man, the old man, look at him. Who is what? Corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Uh-huh. And be renewed in the spirit. He didn't say work hard, pray and fast, refuse to do ABC. No. The instruction was be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Next verse. Uh-huh. And that you put on the new man, which after God is teasered in righteousness and true because there's a false holiness. The false holiness is when men try to do holy things. True holiness is established in the new man. The new man carries the, the, the testimony and life of holiness. He doesn't struggle to be. He is. Why? Because he is born of the incorruptible seed. Which liveth and abideth forever. Now because of that, whether you want it or not. You see, for example, they read scriptures saying perfecting holiness. In the fear of God. So when they see the place of perfecting holiness, they say, ah, it means it's a work. Listen, how do you perfect holiness? By the renewing of? By the renewing of? (laughs) Yes. He says, bowing therefore these promises, dearly brethren, let us cleanse ourselves now. Cleansing, that means there's something we have to do. From all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Look at it, look at it. If you're saying that there's a filthiness of flesh and filthiness of the spirit, which spirit is supposed to be incorruptible and one with the Lord, then there's a contradiction. Because he that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. So how can you, you who is joined with the Lord and your one spirit with the Lord have a filthy spirit? Or rather, if he's talking about cleansing, what cleansing is he talking about? John is very clear. I've cleansed them by the word. By the word. 
by the word that I've spoken unto them. The Bible speaks of a cleanse. The ultimate cleanser is the word of God. Not your works. No, when they say, cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting your holiness in the fear of God. They think that the place of cleansing is what? Is their actions. No. The Bible says, ah, now you are clean through the words which I have spoken unto you. In other words, the ultimate place of cleansing is not what you do. It is receiving the word. That is why he says, now being renewed, go back to 23. He said, being renewed, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. By what? By reading of the word. Do not be conformed to the standards of this world, but be ye renewed. Do not that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God concerning your life. So he speaks of a place in Ephesians 23, speaking of the renewal, because he knows when the renewal comes in 23, give me the amplified. He speaks of, be what? Constantly renewed, listen, in spirit of your mind, listen, having a fresh, every time you remind yourself, mental and spiritual attitude, and put on the new man, the regenerated self, created in God's image, God-like, in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, Born-again Christians are not holy by what they do. They are holy by the word. What made the ground holy? The word. Take off your shoes. Because where you're standing is what? And when he spoke that take off your shoes, where you stand is holy ground. Immediately, Moses removed. Not because the land had said anything, but because the Christ, the Father God, had spoken to that land to be holy. Same thing. It's the very thing that brought Jesus to the church. He comes to the church and gives it a true holiness because he knows there is a false holiness, which is after works. So men think that you're holy because you refuse to lie. No. You're holy because you carry a mental attitude. That is constantly being renewed by the word of God. Because every time the word of God comes, it's a cleanser. Every time the word of God comes, it's a cleanser. Every time you receive the word of God in your spirit, you are cleansed. So the more the word of God in a man's spirit, the clean that man is. Because that's the work of the word. For it is God which works in you, the Bible says, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Not only in the things that you will see about the Christ, but of the things in which he will appear to you. Now I have seen a Christ by the word that is written here today to know that my holiness is not given by what I do. My holiness is entirely a man issue. Am I in the old nature of that man which is corrupt? after the lusts and desires of the world or have I put on the new man which has been what? Created in righteousness and true holiness. Do you know the meaning of that? In other words, when he was making the new man he put righteousness and holiness in him. So that man came holy. (laughs) That man came holy. Righteousness and holiness to him are entities that he carries in the inner being. They're not actions to him. No. The results that follow that of living the holy life and the righteous life before God are by reason of what he carries in the inside. The challenge with that is when you tell men of the holiness and righteousness in them by Christ, legal men think that we are saying that it's okay for them to do anything they want because it's even stupid for us to tell the church not to sin 
so grace should abound because how can one who is incorruptible even think to sin for all things are pure to them which are pure but to the unbelieving and undefiled the bible says nothing is pure that is why when they asked paul should we continue to sin so grace should come he says how Paul didn't say no only. Some people think he said no. You know, I've met legal guys. They say, you see, should we continue to sin so grace should come? No. So why are you telling people to sin? No, 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 no. Listen, Paul didn't end on no. No, no, no. He says in in Ephesians, in in Romans 6, uh, uh, give me the message version from verse 1. Give me the message version. He said, read, read, read. Message. He says, so what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving. Listen to the next verse. I should hope not so. If we've left, listen to what Paul says, if we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? So to Paul it's a how. It doesn't only end no. Because when you say no and you end there, you mean to say it's possible. And if you say it's possible, then they are not born of incorruptible. They are corruptible. And if they are corruptible, then they're not born again. But if a man is born again, he's incorruptible. So if he's incorruptible, the place of living a life sinful after I've known grace is incomprehensible. It's it's not possible. So he says, let's go back. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Next verse. Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened (laughs) in the baptism. When we're under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we come out of our water, we entered into a new country of the law. The law. No, he said we're in the grace country. A new life. Hallelujah. In a new land. That is what the baptism of the life of Jesus means. So I cannot be anywhere there because I left there. It's a nature issue. The new man has been created in holiness. So somebody says, are you holy? And the other day I found a man trying to humble himself. He says, I'm not holy. I'm not righteous in his sight. I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. I say, no! Do you realize that the sinner saved by grace died with him? The new creation, the Bible says he's the Lord from above. The man, the new creature, the Bible says he he is the Lord from above. So he doesn't come with sin. He's not a sinner saved by grace. No, the man who was saved by grace, he died. He says when he died, we died with him. And the Bible says in Corinthians 15, it is buried corruptible it is raised incorruptible that means that the new man which is the lord from above that's why the bible says except a man be born again john says in the amplified except a man be born again anew from above he cannot see the kingdom of god this new creature which comes doesn't know sin because it comes after the image the pattern of the lord and savior so it is not a sinner saved by grace It is the righteousness and holiness of God in the country of grace. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? So, some people say, I'm a sinner. 
I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. So sometimes if I want to get attention in the preachings, I say, I'm righteous. I'm holy. I'm without sin. What? (laughs) You see, why? But the Bible says, oh, they say, but all have sinned, the Bible says, and come short of the glory of God. Why don't you go to the next line? Why don't you go to the next line? Being justified freely by his Christ through the redemption that is in Christ. Being justified freely, present continuous. So that one, every time they have justification free. Blessed is a man of whom the Lord imputes not seen. But righteousness, he's counting it on you. I did this, yes, but you're righteous. But but I did that last week. You don't understand. You're righteous. But how can I be? No, even let me make it worse. You're created in holiness, true holiness. I don't believe in that. You're not born again, you're still an old man. When you're new. Listen. Do you know why some of us do miracles and live a very wonderful life in Christ? It's because when I wake up, I don't see anything behind me. Because the Bible says, and all things are of God. He says, if a man is a new creation, <laughs> he's born again. The Bible says they become a new creation. They, 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 they become a new creature. Paul failed to call him even a man. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all, all, all things are all God. Who has what? Reconciled us to himself by Jesus and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. All things are of God. My eyes are of God. My ears are of God. My body is of God. My hand is of God. My ministry is of God. My family is of God. My marriage is of God. My thoughts are of God. When I sit on the table to work, I see God working. When you sit on that piano to play, you see God playing it. When you sit in the car to drive, you see God driving. How can you get an accident? All things are of God. All things. All things. All. I don't have generational curses. Curses from my ancestral spirits. My auntie's uncle. My cousin's auntie who bewitched me. He said, all are of God. The moment you became born again, you began a new lineage. Your grandfather is no longer No, your listen. Your grandfather is Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Paul, Peter, Daniel. That is why. Read the story of the patriarchs. None of them had a deliverance service from generational curses. For how can God curse whom he has blessed? 
But today people are in church. The, the, the demon of your mother. The demon of your grandfather. Shut up! Somebody one time say, when you become born again, you need to first remove some things off you. Because there are some things that cross with you. When you come into salvation, they cross with you. Listen, listen, listen. How can they cross with a man who died? They would have crossed if the old man became only new. The old man died. The new man came from above. He didn't come with any curse. He didn't come with any generation. Listen. You don't have any demon on you. So, I've realized this. Listen. That's why Jesus said. That's why Jesus said. That the prince of this world has nothing in me. He says this is love made perfect That you might have confidence Confidence on that day when the guy proposes to you On that day when you're supposed to have the job That you'll have confidence For as he is So are we The devil kept nothing in you he says hereafter I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world has nothing in me and this is love made perfect that you might have boldness in the day of judgment because as he in whom the prince of this world has nothing is so are you tell your neighbor I don't have a demon on me now you'll ask me the question pastor what about the people I cast out devils of we still do by the way we cast out devils in this ministry you've seen it haven't you but we cast them out because some people don't yet know who they are. When we teach them who they are, they go cast out. We stop making them experiments of the anointing. This world is in danger. <laughs> this world is in danger. Holy, righteous, no demon, new creature, all things of God. That is why I tell dear sisters now the other day I saw the best women in the world walk like cats that's why I call them catwalks you bring a lion walk greater is he that is in you than the devil in the world Christian women have to adopt a lion walk No, you're more than that. Tell your neighbor you're more than that. Walk like the lion of Judah. Breathe like the lion of Judah. 
dress like the lion of Judah. Stand like the lion of Judah. Nothing should frustrate you. Nothing should scare you. Nothing. Nothing. Listen. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not saying it because I'm preaching. I'm saying it because sometimes it worries me that I'm not afraid. I know who I am. Born of the incorruptible. I have the life of God in me. Hallelujah. As he is, so I am in this world. The lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. I have a godly heritage. I've been wired, designed, configured in true holiness and righteousness. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm more than a conqueror by Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things by Christ which strengthens me. If God is for me, who can be against me? A thousand will fall at one side. Ten thousand on the other. Listen. Psalms 91. He says, a thousand shall fall at thy side. Give me the amplified. You're going to love this. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand on your right. But it shall not come near you. Only, only a spectator shall you be yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the most high God as you witness the reward of the wicked tell your neighbor I am inaccessible there was a time we used to testify and say I thank God because I had cancer and it left the time for the, comers, for the church has come where men are going to say I was a spectator when cancer came and it didn't come near me I saw God rewarding it the church is shifting from divine healing to divine health some of you I'm speaking it upon your life you're going to spend years without being sick men are going to ask themselves how come you don't fall sick you tell him Marabaka Satala. Sindarabako Sike Telepa. Misele Barakaya. As he is. Did you ever hear Jesus in a local clinic? In a health center for? In a hospital? The other day a couple came and they told me we can't marry. And asked her why. And they said, we went to the doctor and they found both of us sickle cell carriers. I told her, I'll slap you, get out of here and get married. What do you mean by sickle cell? How can you be sickle cell? You're Christ's cell. But what about my children? Asa, what did the Bible say about your children? Their peace shall be many. They shall have shalom. Not sickle cell, shalom. Get married. Defy the laws of science.
sickle cell carrier I have the life of God it's in my body listen tell your neighbor we're going to live so long darling so long <laughs> oh my God the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is what eternal life and this is eternal life that you might know the one true God and Jesus Christ not only in the things he will show you but as well in the things in which he will appear unto you before the throne of God above I have a strong perfect a great high sing those words What? Like that from your heart.
Listen, the Bible says, justify freely. Now we have peace toward God. I have peace that your family is well. I have peace that your marriage is well. Because you're justified by faith. I have peace that your future is well. I have peace that your children are safe. I have peace that your body is healthy. I have peace that you will not die. I have peace that the pestilences of the day, the arrows of the night shall not fly by you. I have peace that he will keep you up to the end. I have peace that he will establish you. I have peace that he will get you another job, another ministry. I have peace because you're justified by faith. Both in the things he shows you and in those things in which he appears to you. Somebody give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Wait, wait. I don't want to close this service without giving an opportunity to that man and woman who says, today I want this Jesus I've heard about. This is sensitive. If you realize that the Jesus you accepted was not under the understanding of what he was doing in you but rather what you were doing for him and today you realize it's him doing in you and you want that Jesus put up your hand as well also (laughs) repeat these words after me today in the name of Jesus I receive the Christ who has purchased my eternal salvation who has shed his blood for me and was raised the son of God full of grace and truth one who creates men in true holiness and righteousness today I'm born again I'm new the message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International for more information contact us on telephone number 041 466 4291 or email us at at gmail.com You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5pm to 8pm. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero Fenero, make manifest.